Hey, it's the Pod Hacker. I'm back. So this new microphone, I think I, it works really well, but last time I was got caught, someone was like walking around the perimeter looking for me. But but I, I got past them. They didn't find me. So so I'm up here in this tree. And I can see through the window who he's talking to. And so this time, it's this guy, John Nemo. Now this guy, he's a one-on-one consultant. And he helps people like organize their businesses and get them off the ground and, and really generate sales leads to do, to do great business. So so I'm going to be up here for a while. I'm going to record this for you. Listen to it and, and use that information. Make yourself some money, okay? I know I'm going to. Pod Hacker out. Uh, so it, it, it can happen. You can get used to it. <laughs> nice. Hey, John, thanks so much for flying in. Uh, and I got past all the security and everything. I just want to let you know, like our conversation right now, so secure. There's absolutely positively no way that anybody's going to be able to hear what you and I are going to talk about right now. Why Why do I feel like just around the corner is Dr. Evil, you know, with his <laughs> pinky up to his lips? You know, this is all, <laughs> this like is this all a trap, John. Yeah, I'm on this guard. Is cold, yeah, this place, this is a Cold War era bunker and it was abandoned. And so I worked with uh, kind of local powers that be. And uh, so they, they let me they let me buy it. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's like a James Bond uh, villain lair. It, it it is an evil layer. I'm very impressed. You know, this is the first time I've been asked to talk about LinkedIn in a top secret uh, underground layer in the middle of a gigantic mountain in the middle of the <laughs> desert, surrounded by barbed wire with machine gun towers. That's how secure this is. <laughs> well, the reason why there's so much security is because uh, I'm working on a you know, the, this Napoleon Hill project, as you know, and uh, you know I really wanted to chat with just the the smartest minds and people that I respect in the field of building authority and influence because I think this is something that's about ready to just break open where people will really really take this seriously and and in the world of LinkedIn, John, I. You know, I I do a lot of research and reading, and uh, I'm just I just so admire uh, your you know how you teach what you teach your own personality and and the fact that that you're such a giver and um, so I, I've got my as you can, I've got a notebook here I, I hope you don't mind I'm gonna I've got a bunch of questions I wanted to ask you uh, in terms of uh, for this uh, top secret project. Um, but you know, kind of the first one is I know you have you have a radio background, right? That's right, Scott. I do. Yeah, that's my radio <laughs> voice. There you go. <laughs> yeah, talk radio. Yeah, and then how did that how did that lead from? Where, so you went into it. And what did you What did you do in radio? Yeah, so I'll I'll start with a little bit of the backstory because it, it explains how I got into radio. Um, but. So I grew up the son of two English teachers, uh, love storytelling growing up, books, you know, anything, movies, whatever. And so early on uh, in high school about I, I knew I wanted to be a journalist. I, I loved writing and telling stories. And I also loved speaking and presenting. And, and so what I did was right out of college, uh, I started working in print journalism. Remember newspapers? These things, you still have a lot laying around the layer here because of the Cold War era. You know, I can see, you know, uh, Dewey defeats Truman here in the corner, but, um, you know, headlines are everywhere. But I worked in print newspapers for the Arizona Republic and then later for the Associated Press. 
uh, as a journalist, as a writer and a reporter, and then transitioned into freelance writing. I, I've always had this entrepreneurial bug. And so, you know, back in the early 2000s, I quit the newspaper world and I went on on my own as a freelance writer. So I wrote seven books. I um, did tons of freelance articles and I got a part-time job in talk radio. And it was really interesting was it was a Christian talk radio station. So <laughs> I come in and I'm like, well, I'm Christian, which is great. But um, I'm not going to be on there doing like, you know, organ music and whatever. And so I brought in my sports background because I had been a sports writer. I covered, you know, all the major leagues, you know, uh, Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL, whatever here in Minneapolis, St. Paul. So I found a way to get myself on air because I started out call screening and, you know, doing little things like that. And I said, well, I'll do a segment called Faith and Fastballs. And it was about pro athletes sharing their faith. Like, how do you, you know, what does a Christian look like, you know, in the middle of a major league baseball clubhouse? What's that like? Right. And so I was able to build a bond with the players from, you know, my previous time covering them for the other outlets to open up about that. And so that was kind of my role in talk radio for a while was doing these on-air segments. And it got really fun. At one point, I even got Garrison Keillor on, right? The Prairie Home Companion. And um, boy, he had a fascinating background. Um, He was releasing a new book at the time. And I managed to finagle my way into his office and interview him and get into his faith. And it was just fascinating how, you know, in his kind of baritone, monotone way, he's like, he grew up as a, I forget what it was. It was one of the denominations where he said, the world was going to end today. And if it didn't end today, it was going to end really soon. <laughs> like, so he grew up in a like very... That little asterisk, that little caveat. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's going to end on this date, but if it doesn't... Yeah, it'll be tomorrow. Trust me. We'll still, we'll still be all right. And, and so those those were fun years because I got to do a lot of production and mixing and interviewing and, and, and you know, kind of bringing some authority in there to be able to fit to an audience to say, hey, this this is beyond, you know, your typical organ music, Bible verse stuff. This is real life, you know, famous people walking out, you know, this, um, you know, this ability to, you know, be a Christian in Major League Baseball or, you know, share their faith about whatever it might be. And, and yeah. we were able to get a lot of different people in a lot of different roles. And uh, yeah, th- that's the story of radio to that point in the career, for sure. You know, that's funny because I, I uh, so in the Navy, I was, I, I tried to work in radio. I love radio. And uh, I was a, I was actually a morning show DJ for a year. I noticed and- all your tattoos from the Navy days. <laughs> Very impressive. You like that? It, Who is it, Sally? Is Sally your wife? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> here, let me let me show you this beauty here. Let me unbutton my. Well, I better not show you that one. <laughs> is that, by the way, in the Navy? Is it required to get tattooed? To get to get totally inebriated and get tattoos or is that that is you know what i i uh, yeah truth be truth be told that uh i i, I these these are all henna ink i i i'm, I'm a little bit of a poser I, I, couldn't, I couldn't pull the trigger nice so when you were in the navy yeah 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 and and actually so savings angel so my very first media that i ever did was was radio it was actually local christian broadcaster oh wow which Absolutely. So, so, you know, obviously with the name Savings Angel, I think that they, you know, um, you know, again, I, am I a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, I, again, I'm not, uh, I didn't, wasn't prepared to share chapter and verse and that sort of thing, but, um, 
you know, but again, my job was to help consumers cut their grocery bill in half and share really great deals so that we could kind of do some good in the community and fill the pantries, or, you know, church pantries and help local nonprofits by, you know, saying, all right, everybody go out and get this Cheerios and you can get this box of Cheerios and you get it for next to free. And then you can donate it all, whatever you don't need for yourself was, was kind of the idea of what we did with that segment. But I'll tell you, John, that exposure was everything. I mean, that that paid my that was my first money that I collected with Savings Angel, and uh, that two hundred and some dollars paid for my heating bill um, from that first radio segment. So I'm very, very grateful uh, to that. It was JQ ninety nine in Holland, Michigan. You got to uh, do it in radio voice. JQ ninety nine playing yeah. all the Christian hits. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard not when you start talking about. It's so hard not to go into because I actually so in in the Navy they make you go through broadcasting school, which they basically you know, try to beat out of you all of your little regional colloquialisms or whatever, so that you all talk the same way with that, right. you know, that, that same tone. So John, so then you found your way into PR. And this is where I'm really interested in chatting with you about, because I've got some ideas about uh, where I think the PR industry is today. And I bet you do as well. Yeah, so this is fascinating. I'm glad you brought this up. And we talked a little bit, you know, on the drive into the bunker, you know, in your secure tank, uh, which was which was interesting. I've never been brought to a limos I'm used to for podcast interviews and, you know, private jets, but usually not a 1940s Soviet era tank. But hey, whatever works to get you in. Anyway, <laughs> so I had this background in journalism, right, as a, as a print reporter, uh, you know, as a talk radio guy getting pitched all the time. So I knew what journalists wanted and needed. I knew what went into a pitch because, you know, I got pitched hundreds of times a day. Yeah. And so when I went into PR, uh, I really quickly understood that this industry had a lot of posers, uh, for lack of a better polite way to say it. Um, and one of my first experiences, I'll never forget this. I was working for a trade association and we were doing a thing. It was, the, it was for the debt collection industry. And uh, they obviously need a lot of PR help. And so one of the ideas that we came up with was it was called Ask Dr. Debt. And it was who knows more about how to you know, eliminate it and get rid of your debts than debt collectors, right? They can help you and give you tips and how to reduce things. And so we, we wanted to create this warm and fuzzy kind of segment called Ask Dr. Debt. And I, my job as the PR guy for the trade association was to get us media interviews. Well, mm -hmm. before I got there, they had already retained a firm for $25,000 to get us all over the media. You know, Oprah, they, you know, the classic thing where the partners come in and we're like, we'll have you on Oprah. This is Dr. Phil worthy and blah, blah, blah. And we get calls from like these tiny regional newspapers, like the Fergus Falls, Minnesota Weekly Journal, you know, Circulation 300. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I know people at the local Fox affiliate. I know people at the local, you know, CBS affiliate from, you know, just my journalism days. I can get us on the air. And so I knew right away that the number one way to, you know, have authority and to get on the air and to get good PR was do the journalist job for them, right? Make it. You know, put the story together, humanize it, localize it, give it an angle. Here's how this fits. I found a person here in, you know, Minneapolis that has debt issues that's willing to talk about it and how this program helped them. We can humanize it with them and go to their house. And so the TV people jumped all over it. Like, oh, it was a good little story for a slow day. You know, here's Sally, the housewife. Who mm -hmm. would have thought she'd ask debt collectors for help? Oh, ask Dr. Debt. Like, it was a great hook, right? It was unusual. So that was understanding how journalism worked. 
And then the PR company got really mad at me. You're you're stepping on our toes. You're going to get interviews. That's our job. I'm like, you're not getting any, right? So, <laughs> so eventually, here's another really big thing for people to understand about PR is you don't go from zero to Oprah, right? What we yes. did was we started small and we got the local TV stations, the local newspapers in the Twin Cities, you know, so good market size covering us. And once I got those clips from a clipping service, then I went to the bigger regional outlets. And eventually I got us a weekly recurring segment on Fox News. This was back mm-hmm. in 2008, 2009. We were on there via Skype link uh, every week giving free tips and people would write in like I created this whole thing. And the way I got us on Fox was I pitched them and hyperlinked to the previous interview clips so they could have a visualization of, yes. oh, okay, here's what a segment would look like. Here's them talking to Jane the debtor, right? Here's uh, their person on camera. They're good on camera, right? Here's their person on air. Like we can see this now, but no one's done it outside of Minneapolis, so we can do it nationally. Like you build the authority that way. And then once you got that first segment on Fox, now I could go to other networks and pitch them and go, we've already, like, it's a lot like junior high, right? Like, yo, you were at the cool kid party? Well, you can come to my party. That's really honestly what a lot of journalism is, is, journalism is like is mm-hmm. once we were on Fox, then I got us on CBS Evening News and ABC World Radio. And, like, it was easy because now you already had one person kind of validating your topic, validating your idea. Right. And so you start small, you always, always get the clips and you share them with the next person up the food chain, the next level up, because you've got to really demonstrate your ability to be good on air on camera. Just like, you know, this isn't the first time you've probably heard me on a podcast. You knew I was I'd be able to come on and speak in coherent English. Right. And I would I had a background on talk radio, so I would, you know, jump right in with all my antics. And so that's really the influence marking is really understanding whatever clips you do get, build on them. That's your foundation. And it becomes much easier to get the next interview because you got the previous one. And then so from there, and, and by the way, so you, you talk about this relationship that you had with the PR company. Um, I, I don't mind. It didn't end well. <laughs> no. What? I mean, what's wrong with PR? What's, well, what, I don't, I, you know, my experience, I blew 25 grand. Yeah. I got one good introduction to a reporter, a local reporter, which was great. And and I worked very hard to turn that into something very fruitful. But other than that, I got to speak at a lawn and garden show. And that yeah. was my $25,000. And for a small business, smallish business uh, at the time, that's still, that's a big ticket item. 25 grand is not nothing. And it's like, was it worth $25,000 for one introduction? And then, you know, get to to speak next to a a John Deere tractor. (laughs) (laughs) What's, what's wrong with PR is very simple. Uh, None of them have done the job of the people they're pitching. Like, and Mm -hmm. I'm completely hundred percent biased because I'm a former journalist, but it's very hard for me to, you know, go up to a plumber and say, here's how you need to fix the sink. If I've never done any plumbing work in my life, right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to sell you the best parts and products, even though I've never operated in your world. And I think you have so many good-hearted, well-intentioned young people that went to a four-year college and got a degree in PR and got taught by like a retired PR exec, didn't do, you know, a whole lot. And they just, they have their own way that shops do stuff. 
But the most successful and valuable people I've seen are former journalists because they know they've walked in the shoes of what a local TV reporter needs or what a local print reporter needs or what a local talk radio producer needs, right? Like you've got to know their world, like what's going on, what goes into a show, what makes for a good segment for that show too, right? And so, so much of it comes into the storytelling elements. Like when I was in a different role in 2012, I went to a different place, a trade association slash labor union for nurses, I ended up doing PR by myself for the largest nursing strike in U.S. history at the time, 2012. I had BBC Radio in London calling, right? It was huge. Like I had people, you know, national news and I ran it all myself and it was very easy to build it because of, you know, understanding what makes a good story. Well, you've got a character. The character in this case was nurses. And you had a a villain, right? The villain was the corporate hospitals that weren't taking care of their nurses. And, you know, the backdrop was the patients, you know, what would happen if the nurses left? There'd be drama if the nurses went on strike and replacements came in. Would patient care suffer? Would people die because they weren't having the regular, like, there was good drama there, right? And it was the numbers, like, this is going to be 12,000 nurses walking out. This is a story, right? When you think of journalism, what, you know, what was drilled into me from day one was the five W's, who, what, where, when, why, like, you know, and it was like, who is it? What is it? What's happening? Why should anyone care? Okay. For the Twin Cities metro area, 12,000 nurses are going to walk out. You're going to want to know if you're going to deliver a baby in a month, right? Like, and then once the strike was happening, the national guys jumped on because, well, this is the biggest in the U.S. We quantify things. This is the number one rated podcast on iTunes, or this is the, you know, I've served 738,000 hamburgers, you know, or whatever it is, like they love the numbers and the quantifications and just good stories. Like journalists are always on the hunt for a good story that fits their, you know, publication or their outlet and always, always, always that they can localize or put down to one person to really illustrate the issue, right? That's always the big thing people miss is, They can't just do a story on numbers. They can't just do a story on 12,000 nurses. They need a local nurse to interview. This is Sally. She works at this hospital. She represents one of the 12,000 nurses walking out. Here's Sally saying why she is going on strike, right? And then you've got the villain uh, corporate, you know, whatever that Sally can. And it was a great story. But you've got to understand that all was from my journalist brain. So when I went to pitch them, I knew I have all these things done. Like the biggest thing, you know, I really moved up in my PR career as a as a shameless self-promoter was I, as much as I can do your job for you, that's going to get me the results. One time when I did a new book release, I said I wrote seven books. I wrote a, uh, a baseball novel and I wanted to get it covered locally in the sports sections of the Twin Cities. One guy had a Q&A column with local authors and celebrities and, you know, movie stars and whatever. I wrote out the entire column, Q&A. Meet John Nemo, local author who just published a new baseball novel. John used to cover the Twins and has some endorsements from former Twins players in the book. I wrote the whole thing. I emailed the reporter and said, hey, I know you are always looking for, you know, columns every Tuesday. Here's one. I just went ahead and took the liberty of helping you. These are the questions, you know, you'd want to ask. Here's my answers. If you want to run it, go ahead and run it. The guy ran it. And he wrote a funny little intro that was like, well, this is a first. I've never had 
uh, a person come to me and do my job for me, but this is great. Like he needed content. He needed something of value to fill that space. And the more I did his job for him, he was more than mm. happy to run with it. And, and, and even admitted in the intro, yeah, this guy manipulated his way into the paper with a good piece of content. Like that's being, you know, outside the box. Like the thing about journalists and the people you want to get coverage from and the producers and, and you know, you've got to understand how busy they are and how often they get pitched and how awful the pitches are. Right. And so when you can cut through the clutter with an email to the producer, again, too many people make the mistake of who to target. They target the on-air talent or whatever. You can target the producer at the TV and radio level. You got to target the direct journalist, you know, at the outlet and you write a conversational email and the subject line is quick story idea for you or interesting story idea. So me as a journalist goes, oh, that doesn't read like a press release, which, you know, most PR shops send an email that says press release, colon, you know, announcing fourth quarter earnings, blah, 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 blah. Like they delete that. They're not interested. Quick story idea for you or thought of you might be a good story as the subject line. I'm going to open that as a journalist. What is it? I'm curious. First line. Hey, Joe, really like your segments on the local channel about investment, right? Thought this might be a good story idea for you, blah, blah, blah. Like that's how you get their attention, conversational, one-on-one, relational, you know, and then you move from there by doing their job form. I've got a person lined up that we can localize it at. Here's where she lives. She's willing to go on camera. Here's a clip she did with another station to show that, you know, blah, 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 like she's good on camera. And that's really how it gets done. And I don't see a lot of PR shops understanding that a lot of what they do is just spray and pray, right? They get, oh my gosh. They get access to a big database and just spam. I get them too, you know, because I guess blog for ink and business journals, they just spray and pray me. And I'm like, I don't cover that stuff. Like, what are I you know. doing? Yeah. I, sometimes, John, I, I, I'll i respond back and, and I'll, you know, just out of curiosity, I'm like, what, what, did, what did you want me to do with this? I, I'm just a little confused here. Yeah. And then they never even respond back. Uh, and I'm like, I cannot believe somebody is paying you for this. Yeah. Like, it, I, I guess, you know, it's like, you know, it, you know, every spammer, you know, all they need is like one or two successes out of 10,000 spammy emails and they can call it a win, I suppose. But if you're representing your own brand, what a terrible way to try to get ahead and what a frustrating way. I mean, you're just going to end up being blacklisted by everybody and on everybody's spam list. Well, uh, and it's the blind leading the blind. They don't know a better way. Here's what's interesting. Like back Back before I really got going with LinkedIn, you know, in the 2010 ish time frame, 2008, 2010, I used to, you know, the trade associations I was at would pay an exorbitant amount of money for these databases, you know, Vocus and some of the oh, other ones. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember all Bacon's Media Guide. And like it was unbelievable yep. amounts of money just to get contact information for the journalists at different news organizations. And, oh, we constantly updated. And it would be some intern. When I worked at the AP and at newspapers, it would be some intern calling, bothering me, and I would just ignore them. I wouldn't give them my updated contact stuff. But anyway, it's another story. What you can do now, you know, when I was pitching before LinkedIn was around in the early 2000s, I would go on the website, find the reporter info myself, and, you know, email them directly. But now with a platform like LinkedIn, if you've got yeah. 600 million people, including every journalist on the planet, once you find them, you can connect individually for free, find all their contact information, immediately, directly call them, email or LinkedIn message them. You don't need a, a middle person anymore to find you their contact info. Um, you can create your own spreadsheets of 
these are all the local journalists, here's their contact info. And really where the success comes in PR is not, you know, blast copy, spam everybody a press release, but send it like a one-on-one conversational email. Hey, Joe. Hey, Sally. Hey, Fred. That's it. Subject line, quick story idea for you. You know, introduction, was thinking of you, thought you might find this a good fit for your segment blank, right? Here's the deal. And inevitably, those would get me coverage. What never got coverage was the spray and pray nurses announce rally. Like they just were like, meh, you know, like that looks like every other press release we get. Exactly. So, yeah. You know, and that's one that's one of our our core values is is human connection. And so it's just like and, and it's interesting. So my background, I actually didn't go to college for PR. I went to college for marriage and family therapy and family science and psychology and relationships and that sort of thing. And I actually think that that's been really, really helpful for me, both as a journalist myself and then now as kind of an advocate for our clients and helping them to get lots of visibility is that we just focus on, look, if I were the journalist, what would I want in this situation? And, you know, what would evoke me to want to be able to do something with you or, you know, kind of, and, 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 and that really, I mean, we have found great success with that. Exactly what you're talking about. Well, I'm going to point out on the wall here of the bunker, you've got a tattered yellow cover of how to win friends and influence people. (laughs) From our personal friend, Dale Carnegie. He wrote it in 1936. And this has been the guiding light of my entire career the last Mm -hmm. decade of all the PR and all the success I've gotten, everything else, uh, you know, business, selling, whatever. And it's this great quote from Dale Carnegie, how to win friends, influence people. He says, and we'll just put in the name journalists. Journalists don't care about you. They care about themselves morning, noon, and after supper, right? Like they don't care about you. They don't care about your company. They don't care about your business. They don't care about your idea. What they care about is I need a story for next Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And my editor wants me to do something on blank. Like if you can shape that up and solve that problem for me as a journalist, I'm interested. I really could care less about you telling me how great your idea is in your businesses. But if you frame it up as this will fill your need, you know, for your segment next Tuesday, I'm all ears. And that's Hmm. the approach I take with selling. That's the approach I take with PR is, you know, what's in it for them? Like, how can I solve their problem? How can I do their job for them? That was the number one thing that got me success in PR was how can I do this Fox News producer's job for her? Yes, how exactly. Will, how will she need to frame that segment to get it accepted on this show? Right. Mm. I'm going to do it. And like one of the, I cold pitched Fox News and she wrote me back. It's like, that's one of the best pitches I've seen because you wrote it like you were in the meeting room with us. I'm like, well, cause I used to be in talk radio. <laughs> like I knew, you know, to get the executive producer, the EP to sign off on it, you're going to have to have these elements in place and blah, blah, blah. And so it's really that guiding light and it goes beyond PR into just business. And what you talked about, Josh, is also the one-on-one personalized nature of engagement, whether it's PR, sales, marketing. That's the big thing I teach now with LinkedIn Riches and LinkedIn is understanding not just using LinkedIn and the 600 million profiles to spray and pray, but to target, hyper-target the exact person you want to influence and connect to and get something mm-hmm. out of but do it in a way that follows Dale Carnegie from 1936. You know, they care about themselves. What is it they care about? How can I help them get that? You know, with with what I have, my product, my service, my story. If I can help frame that in a way that they're going to like, then they're going to want to work with me. Yeah. 
You know, that's, and that's, I think that where, where we fit in the marketplace is that, you know, and I'll just share with you one thing that infuriates me, I, I think, is it's such a dying practice in PR, you know, just again, what you outlined, I think to, to some person who, when you explain that, they still feel intimidated by that process in not knowing what to say exactly, um, not knowing exactly who to talk to. So I think that's where we found ourselves in the marketplace is kind of bridging that gap and not being a full service PR firm, um, but but really just kind of facilitating that at a significant, like at a small percentage of what they would normally pay to a full service PR firm, just so that they can get that work done on a consistent basis. In some cases, you know, we do a, a little bit more of the heavy lifting for them, but that's that's kind of where I saw the need in the marketplace is, you know, how can we make more of what you just said right there happen on behalf of our clients on a regular basis? So I think that that's where we kind of fit ourselves in. But I wanted to share, like, one practice I think is dead, and I think you'll agree with me, is this old guard system of, oh, so you would like an introduction to a producer at Fox News. Well, I happen to know somebody and I'm playing the part of a of a, of a greedy PR person right now. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'll tell you what, for $10,000, I'll make an introduction. And <laughs> it's like, you know, that, <laughs> and I, unfortunately, I, I see that still so prevalent in this industry that it's just... It's like you're paying gatekeepers for introductions. And I'm like, wait a minute. I, I don't know if you heard this, but you know, about 10 years ago, we developed this thing called social media. And, and the brilliant thing about social media is like everybody's on it. Yes. <laughs> and the- so it's like you don't need to pay for introductions. You just need their look, their Twitter account, their, their LinkedIn profile. It's like right there. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point. The gatekeepers are gone. Like I, you know, I'm writing a new book on content marketing and and talking about how, you know, I grew up as a child of the eighties. I had the tube socks pulled up to the knees and the pocket full of quarters going to play (laughs) Pac-Man at the arcade. Like it was a different era, right? If you want to know what I grew up with, just watch the movie pixels, right? (laughs) Like that Adam Sandler one, it covers my childhood, but, but here's the deal. Like back then, you know, if I wanted to reach somebody, I did have to have an introduction. Or if I wanted yeah. to have a TV show, I had to go through a studio. And I'm like, now you have YouTube, right? Like if I wanted to have a radio broadcast, I had to get a job or pay money to have a commercial. Now you have podcasting. Like the games yeah. are gone. As far as just talking to the people you need to talk to, that's where social platforms come in. Like LinkedIn is, you can instantly find the the TV producer for that show, like via search, right? And, and you can instantly engage them. And by the way, they're just humans. They're just people. There's no secret handshake. There's no special code. Uh, The PR people selling you the introduction and the relational stuff, baloney. Like they're just, they do the same thing with everyone else as they pitch them. Like, and so, oh, you know, like I would do this. I would take them out for lunch and I would get to know the reporters and producers and butter their bread and, and send them gifts and, you know, build relationships that way. But, but I also could land segments off completely cold pitches. People never heard of me before because it was a good story and because it fit what they needed. Like the Fox News producer never met me, right? Like those cold pitched her, gossip segment, national TV, right? I mean, so you just have to really get out of your own way as a person and say, they're not any different or more special than you. 
Like I, I learned this too with, you know, my LinkedIn, one of the ways I grew my influence and authority with LinkedIn riches with the online course and book was I knew that if I could get big name, you know, A-list entrepreneurs and business owners and celebrities to endorse me and the program and the book, um, that would really up my authority. If I could be on, you know, Entrepreneur on Fire or Social Media Examiner or have Chris Brogan say my book is great, like, well, how do I do that, right? I couldn't just go and ask, you know, but but right. I did approach all these guys cold. I offered something of value, which was I said, Hey, you know, I'm a, a LinkedIn guy. Uh, I don't know if anyone's ever offered this before. I'll rewrite your whole profile for free. You don't have to do a thing. You don't even have to talk to me. I know who you are. I know your brand. I know your site. I'll rewrite it all. If you like it, go ahead and use it. Copy and paste. You have a great new LinkedIn profile. If you don't like it, tell me get lost. No worries. I just want your permission to try. And so Chris Brogan wrote me back, cold email. This is what I pitched him. He wrote me back. He goes, dude, that's crazy. I know tons of LinkedIn experts. Nobody's ever offered to actually do it for me. Uh, sure, have at it, whoever you are. You know. So then I did the work. I put in the work. I wrote a great profile for Chris Brogan, uh, and he loved it. He used it, and then that led to him saying, "Hey, I'm. You know, what else do you do? Let's talk more. Oh, I'll send people to your webinar. Right? I sell a class on a webinar." Chris Brogan sent me a bunch of customers, you know, then he had me on his uh, show. And then I did the same thing with, you know, John Lee Dumas. And that landed me a spot on Entrepreneur on Fire. And I did the same thing with, you know, uh, Michael Stelzner and Social Media Examiner. And that got me on the podcast and Ray Edwards and, you know, Jarek Robbins. And, you know, th they were regular people. I approached them cold. I, I used my Dale Carnegie of they care about themselves. What's one yeah. thing I can help them with? Well, they care about their profile on LinkedIn. Like you mentioned before we started, Josh, your LinkedIn profile is one of the first things that shows up on search. Whether you like it or not, it's it's an authority marker for you. And if you have a trashy you know, or unfilled out profile, that hurts your personal brand. Here's a guy out of nowhere that says, I'll do it all for free. There's no strings attached. I just want to build a relationship with you and demonstrate some authority and maybe later on, you know, there'll be something that we can do. And and most of those people were like, if you're going to go do all the work, fine. And if I don't like your handiwork, I just won't use it. No skin off my nose. And then when I was able to impress them with the quality of my service and product, then they were like, okay, now I'll promote you to my tribe. Now I'll let people, you know, come on. And also think of this. We had a hook for their podcast. Oh, this will be a good hook, John, to introduce you to my audience. This guy approached me out of nowhere Offered to write my profile. I up. I he did a good job. I updated my profile. I got a bunch of leads. Now I'm going to bring him on to share his tips with you. Like I was still my PR mind was turning there. So then what I did was again once I got one of those guys, now I could go to the next one and say, yeah. well, Chris Brogan did it. You know, you know Chris. You trust Chris. Can I do yours? Oh, Chris said okay. Sure. You know. <laughs> oh, Stelzer said okay. Oh, okay. Oh, Jared Robinson said okay. Like. JLD, they all know each other, right? So it was like, do you know this name ago? Yeah, I did mine. He's great. Oh, okay. So it's just that type of approach where you can find them all. You don't need a special introduction. And by the way, I get that all the time. And I'm like, that's nice that you introduced me. But unless me and the other person are really close friends, I'm still not going to trust you a whole lot until you prove to me you're good at what you say you are. Like, that's the big thing, Josh, is so many yeah. people are claiming authority now because you can do it easily, demonstrate it, prove it, show me yeah. with your content, with what you do. And then I will trust you and give you money and time and attention. You know, we did the same thing for uh, uh, 
press kits and uh yeah, actually jld we did uh we did his press kit and that's you know it's and and that got us in um yes. I, you know I, we had met previously on a on a podcast cruise and we had some time together but you know again everybody wants to get in with these influencers and they just say oh my gosh you know if if uh so and so would only talk about my thing you know all my wildest dreams could come true well <laughs> that can happen it absolutely can happen i mean influ- influencers have amazing power to drive a lot of traffic and engagement toward your thing and legitimize the work that you're doing but you have to understand like everybody wants to get, these guys get pitched uh, these guys and gals get pitched all the time like nonstop yes. and you know i think that as you know a baby influencer myself um you know you you generally can see through when someone's writing you pretty apparently um so but if you start by not asking for anything yes. i think it's so audacious to approach a journalist producer a influencer and start listing your demands of all these things you want <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I want some follow links back and I want like, who the heck are you? Right. right. Yeah. It it really comes down to, again, the Dale Carnegie quote up on your wall of, you know, the bunker walls here is basically they don't care about you. They care about themselves, you know, customers, journalists, whoever it is. So you've got what's in it for them, right? John Lee Dumas gets pitched. I don't know how many hundred times a day. What's in it for him to listen to Josh? Oh, he'll do a media kit for me. And if I like it, then that's worth, you know, promoting and, and, you know, and telling my audience about and having them on the show to talk about how to up your influence. Like that's, that's also the risk you need to take if you're not in that position. Like there were plenty of A-list people I did this with where it didn't really work out. Like they didn't like what I did or I went on their show, but it didn't really result in what I thought it would. You know, it's always the thing with PR too, like, you know, you said, oh, my wildest dreams will come true. It's like, you still got to let the marketplace dictate the results. You know, mm-hmm. there are certain shows, uh, Entrepreneur on Fire was one of them. My gosh, like the amount of traffic. And, and I think this comes more to podcast audience quality. Uh, I did this with Cliff Ravenscraft too. It's like podcast audiences are insanely loyal. And if yeah. somebody on a podcast says, I give this person my blessing, whoa, right? <laughs> and other people where I'm like, oh, I got featured on Business Insider. That's, you know, open the floodgates, get the Brinks truck and like very little happened, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. Like you just, you kind of test and you kind of figure out, you know, and also some of it is, does that person's audience fit me and fit my brand, my product? Yeah. my Because it might not, right? It, you know, they might be, you've got to really connect the dots, of what's the end game? Because I think one danger in chasing PR and chasing influence is I just want anyone and everyone to promote me so I can put their logos on my website as featured in and as featured by. Yeah. Those work Those work okay as authority stamps of, okay, you must be somewhat legit. You got featured here and here and here. But don't necessarily expect them to bring a flood of business in you know, until you've tested the waters with certain shows and formulas and programs and podcasts. And you'll figure out pretty quickly, okay, whenever I'm on Josh's show, cha-ching, like that really (laughs) works, you know? Whereas when I'm on this person's show, it's a nice feather in my cap. And I feel, I, I like to brag to my friends at the Social Media Examiner Conference, I was on this podcast, but it doesn't really result in business because that audience is this and that. Like I had a great example of my business coach um, where he was teaching me about this and he goes, you know, everyone wants to be on 
Dave Ramsey's show, right? Dave yeah. Ramsey, Dave Ramsey. And he goes, the problem is his audience is broke. So, it, you know, they're all dying for, you know, what is it, debt-free university or whatever it is. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he goes, they can't buy a $2,000 online course. They don't have any money. Like, they're trying to pay their electric bill. Like, you can get featured on there. But what's your, you know, what's your end game? If your end game is to sell a high-ticket, you know, cruise or consulting package or $5,000 course, Dave Ramsey's audience is wrong. Right. Like that makes sense to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because they're broke. Like, you know, most yeah. of them or, or, you know, so it's like you've got to really connect the dots. And then it makes sense strategically to say it looks like we save, serve the same audience. And the last big thing is, yes, don't just ask. Like no one's going to do you that favor. Oh, just put me on your show. I'm great. Like do something for them. Go, John, I'll, I had one guy who said, I will optimize your website for free. I'm an SEO guy. If you like the results, feature me. I was like, okay. So he did a Nemo to me. Like he reverse engineered my, and my site got a bunch of great rankings and stuff. So I featured him on the podcast and I guess blogged about him on Inc and blah, 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 and promoted the heck out of him because he came to me without asking, did a bunch of work, got me great results. And I was happy to return the favor. There's that human sense of obligation. You did me a favor. How can I return it? Hmm. I love it. Hey, John, I know you, um, you write for Inc from time to time. Why do you do that? Like what's in it for you or what value have you seen from, from doing that work? So this is top secret, right? No one's going to listen. Dr. Yeah, no, 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 okay. no one's going to know this. I'm just going to let people in. And this is what I'm putting in my new book. Inc. didn't get me a lot of business. No. Yeah. I mean, here was the thing with Inc. in business journals too. Like guest blogging has not worked nearly as well as podcasting for driving me business. Okay. So mm-hmm. I sell online courses, $2,000, $3,000 courses. Okay. Now it did get me a ton of backlinks and a ton of site authority um, and, you know, a lot of email opt-ins, mm-hmm. but paying clients, paying customers, very, very rarely went from, I read your guest blog on Inc. I really liked it. So I went and bought your $2,000 course. There just isn't enough trust there, you know? Whereas I heard you with Josh for 45 minutes. You blew my doors off. I could hear your voice, your passion, your enthusiasm. Your tips were great. I feel like I know you now. I want to do more. You know what I mean? Like I learned with Inc. And that's why I don't blog for them really much anymore. They also just wanted clicks. Like their whole thing was, you know, we've got to get tons of clicks. So the more kind of hyperbole with the headlines and the more dramatic stuff. And here I'm writing about LinkedIn, which is like writing about your uncle sleeping in the corner right at Thanksgiving. It's not exciting. It's not sexy. And some of my stuff would go viral, but it wasn't. Again, I looked at my business and I let the marketplace dictate the results. Mm -hmm. I have that feather in my cap now where I can say, yes, I was a guest blogger for Inc. I was featured. I was a guest blogger in American City Business Journals, which gets published to, you know, 45 different huge city websites every week. But it doesn't drive me insane, ungodly amounts of business. No, right, and right. So, so, so I put my time into guess what? Doing podcast interviews because those lead to higher quality leads who mm. buy more quickly. People from my guest blogs will opt in for a free ebook, but then I got to nurture them through an email sequence and yeah. a cycle, warm them up, and then maybe they buy. But boy, podcasting, video interviews, you know, speaking on site, like those relational things work much better. So again, for you, for your business, because I know no one's listening, but um, let the marketplace dictate the results of your efforts. Mm -hmm. Where do you see, you got to measure, you know, did that show bring in 
email subscribers? Did that show bring in traffic? Did that show bring in customers? No. Well, boy, it's nice to have their logo on our site, but let's not worry about trying to get back with them right away. Hmm. Um, you know, there, we, we kind of talk about, you know, there's media that you do for authority and then there's media you do for exposures and getting. So there's media you do to maybe move people through the funnel a little bit better. And so you blogging on Inc. makes people say, oh, gosh, John's pretty important. He's not just showing up on small podcasts. Uh, you know, he is very, very respected. So that might make people move through your, your funnel a lot better. I, I call it, you know, it's like kind of like sales funnel X lax, you know, it just, um, <laughs> I like that. It, it gets, yeah, it get it gets people to, uh, you know, want to not get left behind. You already are having the social proof and the authority and uh, from, from that. So I would say that's probably the biggest benefit is that people are more readily buying your product. You know, obviously, you know, we have, um, I actually hear them, uh, winding up the uh, the Apache helicopter up up uh, up uh, above us here um obviously one question geez, we're just just now getting to it and our time is about done is and is is linkedin and i uh shared this in social media marketing world um i spoke on this i don't believe you can over invest in your LinkedIn profile today. It is that important. And this is like, I've been so excited to ask you this question <laughs> about the importance of having an optimized LinkedIn profile. And here we are, the very final question. I love it. Well, here's the deal. Like I built a six figure business in 90 days only on clients I found on LinkedIn. Like yeah. I, I quit my final day job in 2012, the nurses union. Uh, I had one client, enough money for 30 days. I opened up a marketing agency. I needed money, right? I needed clients and I found them all on LinkedIn. And the number one reason I got all those clients signed up was I had what I call a client facing profile. And the big thing with this, I know we're gonna run out of time, but but basically instead of having your LinkedIn profile read like a resume, which is what 99% of them look like, you know, yeah. you know, third person, like you're a pro athlete, you know, where you've worked, <laughs> you talk about yourself that way. Like instead you flip it around. So again, the Dale Carnegie, what, you know, they don't care about you, they care about themselves. What can your profile do for me, right? If I'm your target audience, what can you do for me? And so for me with LinkedIn and my profile, the riches are in the niches. So when I identified two or three target audiences that I wanted to service and sell to, I made my profile all about them. So for instance, you know, I was gonna sell marketing services. One of my core audiences that I wanted to cater to and be niched into was debt collection agencies. I had worked for the trade association. I had a background, I knew their industry. So the headline on my LinkedIn profile read John Nemo. And then the LinkedIn headline wasn't CEO, blah, 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 company name. It was debt collection marketing services. So you, as a debt collector, when you got a connection request from me on LinkedIn, it came from John Nemo debt collection marketing services, debt collection PR services. You immediately then went to my profile and it said, what I do, I help debt collection agencies generate positive publicity by providing PR services. I also help them win new business by optimizing their websites, providing marketing videos, blah, 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 blah. Like none of it was, well, I'm John Nemo and here's my company name and I'm a CEO and I'm a big deal and I got this and I got like, it was all focused on them, right? what I do, how I do it, who I serve, what others say for testimonials. I have a whole template I give away to people where you just fill in the blanks, but it's client facing. It's all about, these are the audiences I serve. 
These are the services I provide. Here's why it matters. Here's the benefit you get, right? So I help this target audience achieve, insert the result they want by providing blank, your product or service. Even that one sentence will put you ahead of 99% of profiles on LinkedIn, okay? Yeah, I believe it. I totally agree. Um, one last thing, and, and again, I know that, that we're. You see that guy over by the door. He's yeah, like, he's got. Um, a, he looks. He looks menacing. <laughs> <laughs> you. So you give away your book, and it's not one of these giveaway. You know, free plus shipping. Like you, it's not a Russell Brunson. Like you no. legit <laughs> give away your book, LinkedIn Riches. You and I tell people this, John. You give away what other people are charging money for. Why do you do that? Yeah. Well, here's what I found um, is. I, content marketing is my jam. Like I want you to know, like, and trust me through my content. I don't want to do 50 one-on-one coffee meetings a day. I don't want to play professional footsie at trade shows. I just don't, right? I would rather give you all my best tips, give you all these quick wins through my content, warm you up, get to know, like, and trust me, my personality, my communication style, and then take it further. And then go, man, if his free stuff is this good, I can't imagine what the paid training's like. And the other great thing was, you know, to build a list, to build an audience, to build authority, you've got to up your game. It's not enough to give away a PDF, right? So right. who gives away their whole book for free on the front page of their website? And you can go there, you can download the audiobook, you can get the Kindle version, like it's all digital, so it doesn't cost me anything. I'm not shipping physical books, right? But you can download it and read it on your you know, iPad, your Kindle, listen to it on your iPhone. What I found, Josh, was I still sell the book on Amazon and I sell multiple copies every day. If you type in LinkedIn on Amazon today, my book's gonna be one of the first search results because people who've never heard of John Nemo, which I know it's hard to believe, but there are people on earth who have never heard of me who go and start their search for LinkedIn tips on Amazon. They use it like a search engine. So you go, you go, you know, I wanna know more about LinkedIn. How do I get started with that? I'm gonna try to find a book on it. So you go to Amazon, you type in LinkedIn. Here's this book, LinkedIn Riches, looks good, blah, blah, blah. You know, the description is optimized. You buy it, you're in my world anyway. But other people where I, you know, wanna direct you to my website to build my list, I'll just give you the book for free. Because in reality, I make three or $4 per sale of a book. For me, I would rather give away the book, get you onto my email list, instead of having to pay for Facebook ads, three to $4 per person that signs up, right? Like it's free. And I build a massive list and you come in with this immense amount of trust because dang, he gave me a whole book and it's really good and I learned a lot and he's got a webinar and he's got free training videos. So, you know, give, 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 give. And then when the time is right, you're ready to take the next level and have me coach you or buy a training. And and it's much more seamless. It saves everyone so much time because people pre-qualify themselves through your content. I love it. All right, John, we got to get you out of here. They're coming for <laughs> us. This is fantastic. Chopper! <laughs> it's Les Bell helicopter out of Vietnam. This is it, man. Come on, man. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Awesome. Hey, thanks so much. Um, look, when when uh, The Secret Project goes live, uh, I, I, I want to make sure everybody gets your free book at uh, LinkedInRiches.com because I, I just I appreciate your approach and that you give away so much. Um, it, it, I, I just I love your philosophy and I, I love what you teach. So, John, thanks so much for coming. This this is really, really great. I got like, look at this. I got like 10, 10 and a half, 12 pages of notes here and uh, 
uh, I, I'm really, really excited to to share this with the world. But not yet, not yet. This conversation, no way would I want this powerful of information out there just yet. I don't think the world can handle it. Okay, guys, that's all I got this time around. I'm, I'm gonna be sending more out to you guys on the internet as I can get it, as, I, as Josh does more interviews. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast and, and don't tell Josh what I'm doing. If you know Josh, don't tell Josh. Don't rat me out, okay? Um, but uh, but in the meanwhile, if you want to spy on Josh too, he's got a website, upmyinfluence.com and, and you can you can spy on him there too because he's posting these things for real. You, you guys are getting like weeks before him. So, so again, don't tell Josh. Pot hacker out. <laughs>